guys because it's time for another episode of outwatch a survivor rewatch podcast my name's alex your host and guide through our outwatch journey where we are recapping rewatching, and reacting to past seasons of survivor i'm joined with three of my friends here as we foray into survivor season 33 millennials versus gen x and this episode we're breaking down episode four of that season titled who's the sucker at the table will we will find out the answer to that titular question in this episode before we get in to what happened in the episode and we begin our recapping rewatching and reacting it's time for you to meet my co-hosts um and one of the the big things of this episode this is a great episode uh very engaging and perhaps surprisingly both there are two challenges and both are quite compelling and interesting and very unique. And it got me thinking, um, you know, we've watched three and a quarter seasons of Survivor now. Uh, I wondered which of the challenges that we've watched would be the trickiest to my co-hosts. And so, uh, Emily, welcome to Outwatch. Wow, thanks for having me. Uh, Emily, of these challenges, you know, we've watched Pearl Islands, the Amazon, Kageon, and now some of Millennials vs. Gen X. Of all of those that we've seen, which do you think you would have the hardest time with? Um, the challenges that make me want to vomit are the ones in which people um, like when they're blindfolded and they mm. just ram their shins into wooden beams. Yeah, that's tough. Or when they have to like throw themselves under a wooden beam and really just get scraped up that. Ugh, oh, I hate it. And I think I'd have a really hard time with that. Yeah, physically and, and emotionally and mentally. Yeah, that, that that'd be a tough one. Uh, lots of, you know, lots of shin problems, oh, perhaps oh, as a result. Yes. Uh, let, let me let me look, look at the, the sheet here. Who's in second place? Second place is. Uh, is Adam. So, Adam, welcome to Outwatch. So good to be here, Alex. I figured I'd do these in intros in order of um, placement now. Uh, Adam, of all the, the challenges we've watched, which one would you do the worst at? There was one in Kagayan, I think it was Kagayan, where they had to, uh, it was definitely Kagayan, they had to stand on a platform in the water. Yes, was this the, good luck, woo? Yeah, that one. <laughs> um, I would be awful at that one. Um, it's just what I know. I'm not, I'm not the most, like, I'm not the best at balancing, just okay. generally. Um, I also get like a little motion sick and having to do that on the water would be the worst thing in the world. So yeah, I'd be out of that challenge pretty dang quick. Yeah. That's a part I of, think, I think endurance challenges in general, I wouldn't be great at, I, yeah. I could go, I, I could like hang in there to like good middle of the pack. That's about it. I don't think I would ever win an endurance challenge. That, uh, of course is a part of the excellent merge episode of Kageon. Uh, one of the many parts that makes that 
that first individual great. immunity challenge. Yep. Yeah, Jeff, let me tell you, this is definitely not fun. <laughs> uh, thanks, Tony. I didn't ask, but <laughs> Scott, welcome to Outwatch. Hello. Uh, Scott, of all the challenges we've seen, which would you be the worst at? So I think we saw one of these definitely in Amazon and maybe in Pearl Islands, but it's the gross ones where they got to like eat stuff. Yeah. And like, it's like Jeff's delight or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and he like mixes up stuff. I don't know if we have, do they still do. They don't really do those. In no, the, there was one the in, um, gosh, heroes, healers, hustlers was season 35. 35 or 36, I can't remember, but I, th- I think that uh, was the last time they've done one. Yeah, I would do horrible at that, like yeah. forcing myself to eat something that one doesn't look good, but two, you know, isn't going to taste good. Those I are definitely near the top of my list, too. I also thought about some that I don't know if we've seen these challenges before, but there were two that came to mind. One is it's like a version of an endurance challenge, but it's like a really, really tall pole with like, um, like grooves cut into them that you have to like hold on to and then like wrap your legs around. Mm. I'd be terrible at those. I think like the water balancing one I'd be okay at, but anything that requires like upper body strength, <laughs> I would be bad at. There's another one recently um, that's been the re-entry challenges from Edge of Extinction in the season 38 and 40 that has this like um, carnival game element at the end where it's a big a big long like vertical snake like vertical wooden snake and there's a ball on the snake path and you have like these two like pulley things that control uh like a platform that the ball balances on you have to like roll it up the snake by like adjusting the way you hold it anyway i every time i watch those i'm like this would so fully frustrate me in about 45 <laughs> seconds that I would quit. <laughs> it just looks terrible. Of course, I asked this question because there's two great challenges this episode. Um, one of which every time it happens, I usually have this reaction to. Um, I'm like, this looks terrible. I would be terrible at this. And I think it'll be clear which one of those it is when we get into the breakdown. <laughs> so how about we start by hitting the major plot points of this episode what do you think let's do it let's go so in this chock full episode we start by joining the gen xers after paul's departure and brett and chris are pissed extremely debbie wanner voice that's another survivor reference you guys don't get yet but that's all right maybe someday after this um, this tension, Lucy approaches Chris and Brett and attempts to throw Jess under the bus, saying that she Jess was the one who spearheaded all this and she would happily vote her out. Uh, meanwhile, at the millennial camp, while everyone else is trying to hunt a pig, apparently, Adam finds a clue to the hidden immunity idol. We have a reward challenge, ocean wrestling for meat and spices And in a very compelling challenge, the Gen Xers barely pull out a victory, winning them this reward. Shortly afterwards, at the Millennial Camp, Adam goes hunting for his idol, and he finds it. Uh, Adam finds a hidden immunity idol. Hannah nearly catches him, 
And then shortly afterwards, um, Adam opens up about the story of his mom, who's recently been diagnosed with stage four lung cancer and about his struggle with coming out on Survivor, a thing that he's always wanted to do, knowing that his mom is at home and sick. Uh, Lucy tells Ken and Dave that they want to vote out Jess, but Ken doesn't take much liking to her dictatorial approach in his eyes. At the immunity challenge, we've got a window washer chair, which has to be pulled by the rest of the tribe, and then a big word puzzle. After a 45-minute stall on that word puzzle, the millennials win it. Back at the Gen X camp, Ken wants to get Lucy out now after that morning interaction not going so well. And Ken even tells Jess that she's being targeted. But that makes its way back to Lucy, who then creates more conflict with Ken. Um, and everything is just chaos going in to tribal council. Uh, at this very, quote, live tribal, the votes are cast. And then shockingly, David plays his idol, which he found earlier in the season, but he plays it for Jessica. And it turns out that it was an appropriate play as it blocked five votes on Jessica, leaving only three votes that actually count. And with those three votes two land on Lucy, making her the fourth person voted out of Survivor Millennials vs. Gen X after David plays his idol blocking the majority, landing on Jessica. Lots of stuff happened this episode, guys. Um, mm -hmm. And all culminating in a successful idol play, um, even though it wasn't played for the holder of the idol. So, uh, standard first question here. What was your favorite part of this episode? Um, Emily, what was the part that brought you the most joy and wonder um and amazement? Yeah, I would go with more wonder and amazement was the tribal council. Yeah, I was like, again, I said this in the last episode saying that I was on the edge of my seat trying to figure out who would be leaving. But this one really got me. And when David plays his idol, I was just like, oh, my gosh, because I really had no idea what was going to happen at tribal because they left us with a scene at camp like you said, of just chaos. Yep. I was like, it could be Lucy. It could be Jessica. It could be, I mean, it could have been, um, Ken. Where is he? Yes. Ken. I was looking at our list of people. <laughs> it could be Ken. It could be anybody. And yeah. yeah. And then David playing that was just absolutely nuts. Yeah. Blocked five votes, which definitely yeah. would have, would have done it. And then some, mm -hmm. um, Adam, what was your favorite part of this episode? Man, it's hard for it not to be tribal. That yeah. was just such a good tribal. Questions were on point. We got away from the whole millennial versus Gen X conversation and uh -huh. just talked about the drama that was happening. Um, Ken had a really great moment where Jess was like, you're just mm. supposed to believe me. And Ken was like, yes. Yeah. And he was like, just so serious. And like, yeah, I don't play. Like, I'm not playing a game. I'm yeah. just telling you what's happening. Like, it was so good. Yeah, some of the, like, as big as this moment was, like, some of these implications you wonder about, right? Like, David and Jess aren't really on the same page at this point, but he pay plays an idol for her. Like, yeah. that's got to unite them. And, like, she's now found out that, man, everyone was pulling the wool over her eyes except for Ken, mm -hmm. who yeah. was telling her the truth, you know? Like, you really have to wonder the way that's going to change relationships going forward, too. Yeah, it was just... 
this was such a good tribal and I I really like the window washer challenge. I thought yeah. that was pretty cool, but tribal yeah, was just one. like the both both uh challenges were really like edge of your seat kind of challenges. Mm-hmm. Like you're you're just like you're you're wanting most of the time you're just wanting the person who's losing to win. Like it's one of those challenges where you're like, come on, you can do it. Yeah. Um but yeah, man, tribal was just so good. Scott, what was your favorite part? Yeah, I mean, tribal was like clearly like probably like the most iconic part of the episode. Like it's mm-hmm. if you're gonna watch any part of the episode, tribal's probably the part to watch. Um, but to be different. <laughs> I really like the reward challenge. Yeah. Especially like Chris's complete and utter total dominance of the reward challenge. Uh-huh. It was a spectacle. <laughs> it was. <laughs> it was a spectacle. Chris really then, did single-handedly win this for the Gen X tribe. Yeah. Like he I don't know. I think he took like he put like he took out both people from the opposite tribe at once. Yeah. Little effort. At one point he like had like Jay in one arm and Adam in the other arm. <laughs> David was just kind of like walking with the ring to the yeah. the goal. And then at the end, he just like throws David over his shoulder. <laughs> yeah, he does. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like Chris is that dude, man. He's a huge dude. <laughs> He's big. He's a unit. Yeah, there's a lot from this episode that's really fun. Um, we'll definitely talk about that reward challenge at length, too, because there's lots of great moments in there. And the immunity challenge is very interesting, too. Uh, so, yeah, let's start at the beginning, hit some of the biggest points. I think an interesting thing to talk about is like um, these comparing and contrasting our last episodes post tribal scene between Hannah, Zeke and Adam with this episodes with Jess um, Brett and Chris, where both, you know, there's similarly two men who are the target of a blindside and are upset, and then a woman who is um, feeling the onus to like explain herself, but they go about it in very different ways. Um, I think it's interesting to like compare and contrast the, you know, these scenes from the last two episodes. Um, Emily, did you like catch this? Do you have any like thoughts on? the way that Jessica handled this differently than Hannah did? Um, To be honest, I did not think about the similarities, but I can tell you that Jessica handled it way better than Hannah did. (laughs) Because Hannah was just like, you could just feel the panic. Yeah. Surrounding her. And she was like so desperate to get her point across. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like the, this, you know, scene doesn't end well for Jessica either, right? Like, no. Brett and Chris are still, you know, pissed off at her, but she at least hasn't made it worse, <laughs> like it seems like Hannah did. Yeah. Um, we've got important island, island wildlife updates mm. this season. Um, we haven't had much of this yet, but we had um, a, sh- a shot of some goats. There were goats on the mountain. Um, I don't know if you guys caught that shot. It's my favorite Bob Dylan song. Goats on the Mountain? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that uh it's like blood on the water or smoke on the water? Goats no. on the mountain. <laughs> smoke on the water on the mountain. <laughs> Just like that. They're spiritual sequels to each other. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and also apparently they think there's like a pig 
Mm-hmm. And they want to go try hunting a pig. That's <laughs> that's a slept on scene this episode where they're all like crouching through the jungle. I think like Jay has like his buff pulled up over his face as though that's going to like yeah high disguise him from the pig. millennial. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was pretty <laughs> pretty funny. I also like. They're not wild boars like they're probably not wild boars, but like feral pigs are not anything you want to mess with. Yeah. Like, yeah. Feral pigs are nasty, nasty, nasty creatures. Wild boars are like. Scary. Yeah, they're right? awful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't know. I, I get the like going after the goats kind of thing. Like, yeah, we can get one of those. But like, I do not understand the onus of like, let's go catch a pig. Like, no, I've seen old yeller. I know this is. Jay's out here trying to go full John Locke <laughs> on, on the island. <laughs> I'm hunting boars. It's, it's a lost reference, Emily. Yeah. Okay. All you lost heads out there, you know. Lost heads. Is that a thing? Yeah. In, it is in now. Four, in I four, love it. In four years, we're going to have a week by week recap of Lost watching it in quote unquote real time 20 yeah. years later. Yeah. <laughs> Outlost. Outlost. <laughs> I'll be the newbie to the show. I'll be right there with you. I volunteer as tribute. Oh, so what do you guys think when John Locke uh you know tried to bust open the hatch with a big catapult device? Is that a good strategy? We like to draw on the thematical elements, you know. <laughs> um other thing of note, while this is happening, of course, Adam finds not the immunity idol, but a clue to the immunity idol. I don't know about y'all, but as much as I am a survivor lover, I think this should be. And as much as the, I, I like I support the hidden immunity idol, they are exciting and they bring a lot. I think that every idol should start with a clue. This, like, to me, was just so much more compelling to be like, okay, Adam went looking and he found not the thing, but the thing that shows you where the thing is. And now it feels like more rewarding when he finds it, right? That it wasn't just like, oh, I stumbled upon this clue, the, the idol. But it's like, I found the clue and I used my skills with the clue to find the idol. I... I think what would make that more interesting, though, is if there were like lots of clues around the island um, that all point back to the same place. So in theory, you could figure out that um, like the immunity idol has been found mm-hmm. because I found a clue and it can't it can't be anywhere else. It has to be somewhere in here and I yeah, can't find that's it. That's a good point. So the natural conclusion is that someone has found it. And yeah. I think that makes it more dramatic. I mean, just that. having one clue doesn't really make it that different to me. Yeah. I, I know what you're saying. It does make it slightly more rewarding, but it doesn't make it that different. Yeah, I'm into that. I want. I bet that like the hang up here is it's probably like if you're going to say, OK, no one's going to find an idol until they find a clue. That means you're not actually hiding the idol until someone finds a clue. And then once someone does, you have to ask production sneakily hide the idol yeah. quickly. Um, yeah, in such a way that they don't see you doing it. Like you, yeah. I'm when they rehide idols all the time, right? But it's probably in the middle of the night, like right after while, tribal. While they're playing while they're at, the yeah, while they're at challenge, yeah, while they're at tribal or at the challenge. Um. So, but anyway, I just like I forgot that he 
finds a clue and not just the idol here. And I'm like, all right, I'm into this. This is nice. Any other reactions to the clue rather than just the, the naked idol right there? I just thought it felt more legitimate than like when somebody's just walking along and like, oh, there's an idol. And then they just kind of yeet their way to an idol. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, they, they teased it last episode. There's a scene uh-huh. where the millennials are walking towards their uh, like tree mail or something. And they like the the camera like cuts for a second just towards a shell that has something like painted on it. Yep. Like it's actually teased last episode. That was like it was really weird how like how often people walked by it without noticing it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I just I thought it was cool. Yeah. Um and kind of to go back to what we were talking about, how cool would it be if they put the clues out and like they put fake clues? Oh. <laughs> Like some of them were legit, some of them were fake. I guess the other way you could maybe like hide an idol such that it's impossible to find is if the idol is like like a a rock or like a shell on the beach that is totally nondescript, but like it's got like a certain marking on the bottom of it that like proves it's the idol or something right or like it has something hidden on the bottom of it because who you know is gonna like and and the only way that you would know it's an idol is because it says like it's the fifth rock you know on the beach or something right otherwise you're not just gonna pick up a random rock when there's hundreds of rocks i think they should go back to their pirate theme and have a chest somewhere yeah but you need to find the lock like with, the chest is easy to find with spoiled fruits in it or whatever yeah. <laughs> melted chocolate but a, if, if you make it so the chest is like relatively easy like everyone kind of knows about like oh yeah that's the chest like there's huh. an idol in there but we have to find the key and then one day you stumble across the chest and oh man it's open yeah someone has an idol dude the more that i think about this sort of thing the more i'm just like reminded that i really really believe that survivor coming into season 41 now with plenty of time to plan it really needs to take a long look in the mirror and like shake things up not start over not go back to basics but be way more willing to like break with what's standard i mean just call good that ideas, we can do this yeah but like this is just they never do this and it's like nope idols are this like why not international well, survivors Perry tells this. Him. yeah that's true International survivors more like flexible with this sort of thing because there's obviously less history. Uh, let's talk about this reward challenge. Uh, actually, be- before we get there, th- I don't remember what context this was in, but this was one of the clips I pulled. Jay has a really great confessional where he <laughs> uh, makes fun of Gen Xers and like does a little voice. Uh, this was the part I pulled. Get a get a get a line. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, you know, next time somebody's being a dork and just like, get a, get a, get a line. <laughs> the full quote is like, you know, millennials are dreamers. We like, oh, it was in context of like catching a pig. He's like, I, we believe we can do anything. We're dreamers. Gen Xers are like, you know, go to high school, go to college, get a nine to five job, get a life. Hmm. So, again, I really think that we are like, misnaming <laughs> replacing Gen Xers with boomers in this conversation. Like, I think you're right. 
there was a lot of fun in this challenge. This was the like ocean wrestling. There's a big ring out there. You've got to bring it back, touch the thing. Uh, this was the challenge that when I watch it, I'm like, uh, I would be terrible at this. I would hate this. And usually these challenges like aren't very fun because it's just like people getting very physical and wrestling in the ocean and like whatever. But um, this one, there was a lot of things, uh, lots of small moments and big moments. Uh, which part of this challenge was your favorite part? Um, Scott, which uh, there are many things that happened in this challenge. Wh- which one was your favorite moment? Um, I, I kind of go back to just Chris completely dominating. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was kind of my big takeaway from it. It was just like how impressive of a performance it was. Um, but also I was like really impressed with like at one point Zeke kind of held his own with them. Mm-hmm. So I was pretty impressed with Zeke in that moment. Yep. <laughs> Cause he was probably the only one that really put up some kind of like resistance against Chris. <laughs> yeah. It seems like he puts up the best fight. Uh, Emily, which moment in this challenge was your favorite? Um, good shout out about Zeke. I feel like Zeke was very savvy in knowing that maybe physically they weren't, he couldn't compete with Chris, but he was like really good at annoying him and getting him distracted. Yeah. Um, also going to shout out Michaela. She was really good at this challenge. She was very strong. She ended up winning because, um, they were almost at the Gen X side and she just, pushed and you could just see in her face she was just trying really really hard Mm -hmm. and i think she got in that point like she killed it also we have to talk about it there was one point when she was being held back by another player and she just took her top off and just kept going yep (laughs) and it was like i said to adam i was like this is the one time in survivor that i have seen that a person taking off her top is not for any kind of icky icky like thing Mm -hmm. It's just her being so committed to winning that she's just going to do it. She was like, well, this is what I have to do to get free and I'm going to do it. And then she won the point. Yeah. Are you saying that wanting peanut butter and chocolate isn't honorable? (laughs) (laughs) I am commenting on this current. (laughs) Yeah, Michaela's a badass. Michaela, as far as I could tell. As far as I could tell. For as much as Chris single-handedly wins it for the Gen Xers, uh, she almost nearly single-handedly won it for the millennials. Um, She seriously, like, she is so, she's so strong in the competitions. I think she is a really good social player. We just haven't, haven't, we we just haven't really seen her um, because they haven't, millennials haven't been on the chopping block. Mm -hmm. Like, Michaela is such a strong player in this game. Yeah. I, yeah, we we talked about it. I think in episode two, um, about Michaela. But I I am excited to see more of her because she just like, man, she was so strong today. It was crazy. She's really competitive and she's very astute. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think what? she's a major sleeper in this yeah. whole game. And she went back. She went back to tribal or to to to, to camp after that, and like pointed at Zeke and uh, Jay. And we're like, you guys did awesome. Like Zeke, yeah. you crushed it today. Like she even like she came back, and people were like, oh, you're MVP. And she was like, no, you know who crushed it? Like these two people over here. Like give them props too. Like, That's a good point. She is such a good like team player. She's such a good. She she I, I love her as a player in this game. I think she should crush it like the rest of the time. 
Yeah, great episode from Michaela. Uh, Scott, to you, at your request, I did pull this. Yeah, see some tatas today. <laughs> I love that. She's like, listen, well, that's what happened. So I can either win the challenge or keep my swimsuit top, and then yeah. you're gonna see some tatas today. <laughs> <laughs> they about to see some tatas today. <laughs> Dude, Michaela is a treasure. Yep. Uh, Adam, what was your favorite part of this challenge? Did we get to yours yet? Um, I think, I, I, I think Michaela. I, I watching Chris dominate was really cool. Watching Zeke uh, fend him off in what ways he could was really great. And I love watching Michaela. Obviously, um, I will also point out I love seeing David, even though it was because of Chris. I love seeing David win a point for his That's team. That's true. Yeah. Like and even like the second point that he won uh or I think that Chris won, like David was like right there in it. Like he was mm-hmm. he was being competitive. And I think that when we've seen David in past challenges, we've seen him try but kind of like, "Oh man, you're just not going to be very good at this, are you?" And in this particular challenge, it was like, "You know what? Like he knew his spot and he fought for what he could do." And I think that's great. Like yeah. I I think David, you know, he will never be the strongest survivor. But dude's going to give it 110%, and we got to give props to that. Yeah, some other smaller, um, less recognizable moments that also uh, were really good for me were <laughs> during one of, like, the introductions when everyone's waiting there. Taylor just looking at the Jet Xers and just being like, ah! Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that Brett was just kind of like rolls his eyes at him. <laughs> Who is it? Jay, Jay calls Chris Hulk at one point yeah, when they're walking out the one. second time. <laughs> yeah, they're like walking out to the ocean and he's like, come on, Hulk. Yeah. And like fist bumps him. That was pretty cool. I love that. Uh, also, uh, this is like a, a memed and like gift moment is at the very end when like Jeff nearly gets knocked over by the wave as he's oh, like yeah. calling the challenge. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was great too. All around just an incredible challenge. It really is. And like ordinarily I really hate like the physical challenges like Me this. Because they're Me so too. one-sided. Right. But for whatever it was about this one, we just we saw things in players that we really love or we, we saw new things in players that we hadn't seen before there was something really nice about this regardless of who won yeah it was like the character building of it yeah and like i think that's just good storytelling and good editing that they keep in yeah like jay fist bumping chris you know as like a cool fun character thing you know yeah among other things um so we we talked about uh, the the idol that Adam finds a little bit, um, and also that H- Hannah like almost nearly catches him, <laughs> and even is like, "How's the idol hunt going?" <laughs> He's like, <"That's> "Bad." <laughs> I don't remember what he said, but like, it's going. Um, yeah. What what did you guys? Uh, what was your take on this whole scene of the the idol find, the Hannah of it all, and then um, him sharing the story? Um, of his mom. Another example, you know, that we've gotten from a few characters this early on in the game of like, yeah, more fleshed out, like full personality um, examples. But yeah, coming off of the idol find in the story, um, yeah, Adam, did you have any big reactions to your namesakes uh, <laughs> seen here? 
Um, and this got heavy, like yeah. really quick this it episode. Did. Um, I, I think Adam, I, I, I picked him number one for a reason. I think Adam's a great player. Uh, he, he needs a break. And I think this was it for him. Uh, him finding the idol was fantastic. The whole scene with Hannah, I love too. Yeah. I, I, I kind of, I, the implication is that Hannah didn't bust him because we don't ever follow up on this, but I, I don't know that that was kind of like left so open ended because because all the interesting drama for tribal was happening at Gen X. So, mm-hmm. you know, tricky to you can't get everything in an edit. I understand. Um, but yeah, man, when he starts talking about his mom, that was like. It, Sometimes when things like this happen where people talk about like their home life, I'm very rarely actually affected by it. Yeah. It's usually like, yeah, I, I sympathize with you. That sucks. But like we're watching Survivor at this moment. Yep. When Adam was talking about this, I like I felt I felt for Adam. Mm-hmm. I was like, this was a hard decision. This sucks. Like yeah. I really I hope you win a million dollars so you can go home and like, you know, pay for your mom's cancer treatment or whatever it is that like your family needs in this moment. Like yeah you're a part of it it was a very i mean this whole episode is very character this whole season is very character driven right like this was adam's character moment like through and through for sure yeah yeah like you can you know i can't imagine this scenario right like adam mm-hmm. is the the like stand-in for like the survivor super fan who gets to play survivor right like his whole thing, you know, like if you read his casting material, right? So he's like, you know, watch the show forever. It's the thing that like brings his family together, right? Like he played on, you know, like survivor online games, like in middle school sort of thing. Right. And now he gets the chance to play it, but right before it, you find out that your mom is like, has, you know, is really sick. Like, yeah, I can't imagine having to make that decision. That's like, Terrible, and and it doesn't make for yeah. It's like makes him, um, yeah, somebody that's like easy to root for, but also like you can really get a good sense of like his motivation too, you know. And yeah, well, and talks. you see that he's really struggling with this decision still, even yeah. like, I, and I think that's what makes it not that no one else's is believable or whatever, but like what makes this a really compelling moment is the fact that you you wholly buy into like Adam is honestly really struggling with the fact that he is currently playing Survivor while his family is suffering like and it's just yeah like I don't know that that it was tough Mm -hmm. yeah did any the other either of you two have any other reactions to this scene yeah I was just just gonna add, like yeah like in one scene like you completely like that completely set the scene for like his character why he's there what he's about mm-hmm. like yeah like this the character of i don't know like i hate to say like character development but in a way it is kind of like character development like we yeah. are watching a, a show like like it's really easy in that moment to see adam and like okay this is why he's here and it's very like he's very easy to root for and like I just, yeah, that's, that decision had to have been horrible to make. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you choose what to do? And it's just like, you just feel for him in that moment. So. Yeah. 
For sure. Yeah, I, I, and we like keep saying this, but I think what makes this season so good is that there's a lot of this. You know, there's a lot of learning about these players as people, um, and like done in a way that's compelling and like uh, responsible. You know, and not just like yeah, making TV storylines out of it. And I think that mm-hmm. um, this is a good example of that. So at the Gen X camp. All the Lucy stuff kind of hits the fan at this point. Um, Lucy approaches Ken and Dave and and tells them her intent, which you would think that they would, you know, like very that they would welcome because it's someone other than them who are at the bottom. But Ken especially has a hard time with her approach. Um, And Lucy's story is short lived in this season and she gets like a lot of bad luck tonight with the idol play. But uh, what, what did you think about like Lucy's potential as we really start seeing her and her personality and her story um, for the first time this episode, as it was then, you know, cut short. Um, Emily, did you have uh, a, a read on or a, yeah. what do you think about like Lucy and the story we got from her in this episode? Um, I think that she was, very direct Mm -hmm. and i think she saw a vacuum of power and was trying to step up that's a good read yeah and fill that um but the way that she did that and granted you know she was very abrasive about it so when she told ken and david you know don't talk to anybody like and then you know which i think is fine but that you know even you know don't go off by yourselves and talk about this it came across a little threatening almost and i think that really rubbed ken the wrong way like we talked about in the last episode he seems very genuine and that kind of personality really bothers him and so i just don't think he could sit with that yeah um which turned out really poorly for lucy yeah, I, think I don't think she was like, I really don't think she was trying to be domineering or anything mm-hmm. necessarily. I think she was just trying to step up and it just didn't come across. Yeah. And that, you Go know, ahead. like for people who yeah, maybe are in like authoritative roles in the real world where they're used to being direct, mm-hmm. you know, like that maybe works in, yeah, like certain workplace environments or even in some home environments, but like maybe it doesn't work very well on survivor. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a thing that a lot of people run into is they've got like, yeah, ways that they interact and like go about their lives that work fine for them in that, but then they get on survivor and it doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the problem with Lucy was when she approached Ken and David, she basically approached it from the perspective of it's not you. So I'm doing you a favor. Yeah. So you're going to listen to me. Yeah. And that's just such a bad approach, especially when you just blindsided somebody like, you know, that this game isn't about favors. It's not about like this one sided way of doing business. Mm -hmm. So instead of having a conversation of like going to them and making them feel like, Hey, like you have value, you have input. It's ultimately going to be Jess, but you can, you know, speak your mind. Um, 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I I don't think she's a bad person. No. I I I think I would push back a little bit against against what Emily was saying. Um I I I think that she really liked having the power to say this is who it is. Mm-hmm. I think that's and, and I, I will also admit that like she is a woman who has this power, and as a man, I'm automatically going to be biased against no, this. No, 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 so no, like, no. And, and, you know, like I, I'm not, I'm not saying that you are about to accuse no, me. Of no, this. no, I'm just saying. Like, let, let me finish. <laughs> I was going to say I, I definitely hear that. I just keep coming back to at some point she said something along the lines of like. This is how I do it at home, like with my husband and sons or yeah. something like yeah, yeah, yeah. this is just the way that I have to be to make things happen. And I feel like she really yeah. brought that into the game, which didn't pan out. Yeah. Um, well, and if you feel like no one's going to listen to you otherwise. Right. It makes sense. Right. You know, I'm not right. And, and there's yeah, like certain certainly like scenarios and situations in the world where it is good for someone to be like, all right, here's what we're doing. We're doing it. No questions asked. Mm-hmm. Like a good competent strong decisive leader that's like important sometimes but in this case it didn't prove to be effective yeah and i think what it probably comes down to is the fact that lucy's alliance wasn't to ken and david yeah Yeah, she's really trying to get the other two guys back on her side yeah like like lucy's alliance was primarily brett and sunday and chris yeah. And she basically went to Ken and David. It was like, look, it's not you, so you're going to vote with me. And that was like the end of her conversation with them. And yeah, it's they like, weren't her target. It's worth remembering, too, that I think at the beginning of this, when she was just walking with David, she didn't intend to tell them like what the plan was. Like right. David asked yeah. for a name and she said that she's not going to give him one. And then it was when Ken got there and they like asked again that she eventually did. So, like, maybe, yeah, she should have yeah. stuck with her instinct of like not letting this cat out of the bag at this point. Yeah. Also, also worth noting, Cece was never a part of any of these conversations, yep. except for when David uh, looped and David and Ken looped her in. Um, so we're still seeing Cece being like not a part of the tribe in any way, shape or form, even when she's not on the chopping block. Yeah, she seems to be pretty clearly out of the loop. Oh, yeah, that was another thing, though, about tribal. I was really worried because when David played his idol for Jessica and then Cece's name came up and I was like, Oh my gosh, if Cece goes because David played his idol, like I would not have expected that at all. That would have been not the plan. That would have been crazy. Yeah. 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 And it is like for as much as we're talking about Lucy's quote unquote mistakes, like she short of David playing the idol correctly was not going to go home tonight. Mm -hmm. You know, she was going to like receive two votes and, Come back to tribal or back to camp the next morning. Yeah. Uh, We talked about the immunity challenge already. Do we have any more to say about it? I will say that um, uh, having, you know, produced my own amateur survivor competition, I can attest to these word puzzles when you're making them. You think like, oh, yeah, like this should be an appropriate level of difficulty. And then you get out there and it's like, Nope. <laughs> We're going to sit here for 45 minutes while they try to put these words in the right order. Word puzzles can be tough. That was a crazy word puzzle. Have too. We, it had like 30 letters. Yeah. Have we one. described this challenge at all? We, we call it the window washer challenge. Yeah. Go ahead. Give us, give the, the listeners at home, Adam, your description. 
so there were uh there were like five people who were hooked up to harnesses uh attached to like a pulley and a bench and what would happen is one person from your tribe would run through this little obstacle course kind of thing it was like over three four bars and then high step um uh sorry then, can what what did they have to do what was that last thing you said high step just like high school football no. <laughs> which he said to david who definitely never played high school football um <laughs> I so, just love, I love his tone of voice. Sorry, in this. Yeah, no, it was good. It was good. Football. Football. <laughs> so uh, he he threw through the over four bars, the high steps, uh, and then you sat on this bench that was connected to your five teammates, and they pulled they they pulled the bench up into the air, and you had to pull out. Uh, it was like thirty tiles in numerical order. So. First person did one through 10. The second person did 11 through 20. And third person did uh, 21 through 30. After that, the tiles were opened up and they were letters and they had to spell out the phrase, somebody loses their flame tonight. Mm -hmm. But obviously they don't know what the phrase is. So they're trying to figure out what words are there. And it takes over 45 minutes for them to figure out the answer. Yeah. Um, Which like, there's a moment in this game where it looks like Gen X is really taking the lead, like and not like really taking the lead. I guess I'll, I'll backpedal that statement a little bit. It looks like Gen X is taking the lead. They're getting to the puzzle first. You get this feeling of like, oh, man, I really hope the millennials catch up. Mm-hmm. And then 45 minutes pass and no one solved the puzzle. So like that lead basically didn't matter. <laughs> It was it was a good challenge. That's yeah. true. It, it was like hurry up and wait. Yeah, but that but that was the thing is at the end of the day, like it, the the lead barely mattered as long as you were pretty much yeah. close. Like whoever's yeah. going to solve the puzzle first wins. Yep. Yeah, it, it, it often it, it comes took, down to that. It took a long time to solve the puzzle, which I understand too, because I mean they they kept coming up with like the beginnings of phrases that absolutely made sense. I think Gen X had like someone instead mm-hmm. of somebody mm-hmm. um see i mean i don't know those those challenges are tricky i think it makes more sense to have them earlier in the game like this like in i think it was Kyan, may have been pearl islands or something else um that we watched uh they had one of these in like i mean like a late late episode and like I'm looking at it going like this seems mentally exhausting to me. Yeah. But I'm also like fully fed and fully slept. Right. I can't imagine doing this after, you know, 25 days of eating just enough and not really sleeping. Right. <laughs> so yeah, these these like the, these mental acuity challenges are always really tricky for me to like judge as what is a good challenge and what isn't a good challenge. Because it's so it's so hard to re- figure out what it's like to be on that island. Yeah. Yeah. With word puzzles too, it, it turn it seems like with other puzzles, you're like constantly making progress, you know, either quickly or slowly towards the completion of the puzzle with a word puzzle. You don't have it. And then you have it. And there's like really no in between, you know? Yeah. And again, like when we did outlast, it was the same thing is like, and from a, a production perspective, it's like hard to make compelling, you know, TV out of 
because you're just like watching people think <laughs> for a while and then all of a sudden someone gets it and it's like okay but yeah they're like i like word puzzles but you're it's it grinds things to a halt for sure uh yeah and the window washing part of it is definitely unique it was cool i liked it i i don't I don't particularly understand why Gen X got ahead. But <laughs> yeah, it was just faster, I guess. Yeah, it was a cool, it was a cool little thing, though. I liked it. So we talked about tribal a lot um, going into tribal and, and we've talked to about like how it's uh, it's been tough to like see what's going to happen to the credit of the editors. Um, but what were you expecting going into tribal were you expecting that it would be lucy or ken or jess or you know or were you just totally in the dark scott what was what was your thinking i i definitely was not thinking lucy i was like half expecting ken to go home Mm -hmm. just because like like all obviously like all his like gameplay got brought to light during like the pre-tribal stuff. So I was like, I guarantee you like he's going home. Yeah. Also because he's on my tribe and it just made sense. <laughs> but so I was happy to see that like neither him nor Jessica went, but yeah, His I was like, did I was, get pretty fully blown up. Yeah. Right. Like he, Jessica, like against her own, like best, like she did it against like what was good for her. Mm-hmm. Blew up Ken's game. <laughs> I was like, man, he's going home. If you would have asked me, it's definitely what I thought. And so, of course, the biggest thing of this, you know, tribal and the episode probably is David plays his idol on Jessica and blocks five votes. Um, This is a huge move and a very bold one to make, especially on the fourth tribal council of the game to take your idol and play it for someone else that you've only played, you know, 12 days with to this point. Um, I didn't trust you. <laughs> uh, Emily, what did you think about David's choice to play his idol for Jessica, thereby yeah, saving Jess, keeping her in the game and making it that it was Lucy going home instead? Do you think that this was a strong move for David or was it um, maybe too early to do this sort of move? Or should he have held on to the idol? What did you think about um, this choice? Um, Adam and I talked about this a lot after watching the show, and I will let him chime in because he had a lot of enthusiastic thoughts about it. Okay. But the one thing that I, <laughs> we kind of agreed about was um, not that we didn't agree on all of what he was saying because it was just a lot of excitement. But um, <laughs> I think it's interesting that he did use it on somebody else because I feel like, and we don't have a lot of experience watching Survivor with these immunity idols, but it feels like people will just go home and they won't use them or they'll just hoard them and hoard them and kind of their time has passed. And Adam was actually saying, I don't know if you know this because you've seen other seasons or you were just guessing. um, Just saying a stab in the dark. Okay. If in later seasons, if it's more common to see someone use an idol on somebody else, because sometimes that just feels like the best move. Like you have this idol. So you have this piece that can ultimately change the outcome and you know, what's going to happen more so than you probably would if you were on the chopping block. Hmm. Yeah. Basically my argument is that I, I, I think 
you probably see a lot of people play idols defensively and ultimately doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Our, our only real experience with idols up to this point is Kayan. I have no memory. I, I, I have definitely seen later seasons of Survivor. I have no memory of them, though. Mm-hmm. So I have no idea what happened uh, or what has happened. Um, not even that later. I think Kagayan is the newest season of Survivor I've seen up until this point. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that there's an interesting argument here that hidden immunity idols are most effective when you're using them to swing the powers of a tribe and playing them on someone you know is getting voted for which most of the time means that you're not playing it on yourself. Right. So basically like in this case, and I don't know if this is actually going to work for David, but basically David was saying, was saying it to himself. Okay. There's Paul, there's Brett, there's Lucy, there's Sunday. So we got four people that are, uh, that, that are the majority. There's David, there's uh, Ken, and there's Cece that are the minority. They're going to be left if Jess gets voted out. Ken has gone to Jess and said, hey, you're on the chopping block. Jess doesn't believe him. Which means that the only way to convince Jessica that, hey, we're on your side here and they aren't, and to get rid of one of your opponents, is to play your hidden immunity idol on Jessica. Because you know that votes aren't coming for you. You're pretty sure votes aren't coming for CC in any significant way. You know that I mean, there's a chance that they're coming for Ken at this point, but it's kind of unlikely. Mm-hmm. So, so it seems like the most effective way in this case to use your idol is to say, OK, if I save Jessica, that potentially gives us an alliance of Ken, David, Jessica, CC versus an alliance of Brett, Chris and Sunday. Mm hmm. That swings your power four to three. Yeah. Uh-huh. I think that is the most effective use of an immunity idol. I mean, there, there's there's it can keep you from going home, but also like the odds of you really knowing that, like, yes, definitely. I'm on the chopping block tonight. I'm going to play it. Feels pretty low. Yeah. So it seems like this is the most effective use of an immunity idol. Yeah, I think that's like a really strong argument. I think that what you know, like to originally what you were saying, like wondering if this is a more common thing as survivor evolves more. I think that it's like, not, you know, that like there's when somebody plays an idol for someone else, it's still like a pretty big deal and it's fairly rare. Um, I think a lot of it has, huh? (laughs) Put me on survivor. I have the new (laughs) strategies. I think a lot of it has to do with like the pressure that people feel to really optimize the use of their idol, right. To like use it as, perfectly as possible yeah to like block a bunch of votes on on yourself to save yourself um and so yeah a lot of people do get voted out with it in their pocket because they don't sniff it out or because yeah they they don't want to like waste it but i think you make a really strong argument right of like better to use it and it be like a six out of ten than to never use it and get no value out of it right yeah um but yeah, I think because, like because I, this, like assuming that Jessica decides, okay, I trust you guys. I'm with you. I trust you. I trust you. Trust um, you. Assuming that Jess agrees to you. this, okay, I trust you. <laughs> they've gone. They've gone from a three against four minority to a four against three majority, mm-hmm. which like that's everything you want right here. Like you have gone from the bottom of the barrel to okay, we're top. We're the majority. Mm-hmm. 
and if you're going to throw your idol at something, I feel like putting yourself in the majority position makes sense. Yeah. The yeah, like, what are you like? What are you saving it for? Like by the time that David would ever like need to use it, he's probably like already in the minority anyway. Yeah. Right. So like, you're just you're just delaying the inevitable. You're buying yourself one tribal. Like right. it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of last ditch effort, you're kind of being proactive. Like yeah. this, this is a legitimate use of an idol for a power swing in your tribe. I I don't know there's a better use of an idol. Hmm. See, he got very fired up. Sorry, I'm. <laughs> no, like I, I I love David, and not just because he's on my team, but just because I think that this is such a smart play. He's, he's definitely like an. Um, <laughs> he's like a push the envelope of strategy at this point type of player for sure. Yeah. He's like thinking of things that other people don't. Yeah. To like do the counter argument though, like this is the fourth episode. And yeah, like and this, this is a fair argument too. <laughs> yeah. Like you're playing an idol for someone you've played 12 days with who is not even in your alliance. Um, and like with a potentially looming swap, you may not even be on the same tribe as them yep. as soon as tomorrow. When mm-hmm. maybe that idol becomes very valuable to you. Yeah, no, <laughs> you know? exactly. And so, like, yeah, a- it's it's totally that question, right? Of like, uh, do you not use it for the okay time to hold on to it for the perfect time, or do you use it at the okay time because here's a time to use it? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like that. That's a tough question. Yeah, I, I think if you're looking at it as because they they tease in the after credits for this one that the swap is happening in the next episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think we're looking at it in the context of like it's episode four, potentially going to be here for one, maybe even two more tribals. Like it absolutely makes sense, knowing that the swap is happening next episode. A uh, little less makes sense. Sure, and I think that's yeah. I don't know. But I think this is why people go out with idols in their pocket all the time is because right. they're holding they're it for the perfect, perfect time. Moment. Yeah, you're right. So I don't know. I, I think I think make a big play, potentially get someone who's going to trust you because you saved them even when they didn't believe you. Like. I think long game, it could work in David's favor. We will see. A great episode here. Let's move on to naming our MVPs and granting participation trophies for this episode. Um, Emily, you're in first place on our fantasy survivor ranking. So who would you like to give the first participation trophy to? Wow. Um, I'm hoping that I'm guessing everybody else's picks, right? Because there were so many MVPs in this episode yeah i'm gonna go with michaela i thought she did Mm. great in the challenge Mm -hmm. she gave it her all she carried her team and i think we'll see more from her all right point for michaela uh adam who gets your your participation trophy if emily didn't give it to michaela i was gonna give it to michaela but since emily did give it to michaela i'm gonna give it to david there it is um i i think michaela had an absolutely brilliant game this week like i mean we talked about it earlier like i i'm in love with her game i also think that david like i said made one of the most brilliant moves with an idol i have seen so far mm-hmm. um so yeah david's definitely got my uh, uh participation trophy award this week who do you give more strategic merit to um at this point david or dave from amazon 
Dave was the rocket scientist who bangeranged. Bangerang. I don't think Dave had a very strategic day. <laughs> yeah. gravy, baby. That's, that's, gravy, baby. That is the that is the answer. Oh, yeah. good <laughs> All gravy, baby. <laughs> I was like, was he that? Yeah. Uh, Scott, who gets your participation trophy? Um, so since Emily said Michaela and Adam said David, <laughs> no, um, I'm gonna give it to Michaela. I thought no! she had it. I'll break the tie on you giving it to Chris. No, <laughs> but no, I thought Michaela had a really strong. Um, episode she one survived she won immunity she had a great challenge showing i think in both of them she did pretty good in both of them yeah she did so yeah i give it to michaela awesome um i think i'll give mine just to spread the wealth a little more um and to recognize this player i'll give one to adam for finding the hidden immunity idol I figured pick uh, both the clue and the idol in this episode. Same episode. Yep. So uh, I'll give my my point to Adam just so that we um, are reminded once again of his uh, importance in this episode, too. All right. How about we move on to our fantasy scoring this episode? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> so this um, episode was named by Chris. Um, Chris asked the titular question, who is the sucker at the table? And so an extra five points for Chris this episode. Um, The Gen Xers won the reward, so they're going to get five points for that. The Millennials won the immunity, so they're going to get ten points for that. All the Gen Xers other than... um, You know what? I think I... No, I did this right. Never mind. Uh, all the Gen Xers other than Lucy are going to get five points for surviving Tribal Council. And only these two players will receive five points for voting correctly. That being Cece and David. They put their votes on Lucy, who was um, ultimately pause. the... Adam cannot handle how proud he is of himself. <laughs> this was such a good episode for my team. Great episode for the Adam's Apple Squares. I'm sick of watching his gloating face. Uh, Even though all of Brett, Chris, Ken, Lucy, and Sunday put their votes on the person who got the majority because of David's expert idol play, um, it turns out that only David and Cece get five points for voting correctly in this episode. And also of note, um, Adam... Got 15 points for acquiring an idol or advantage in this episode, too. So there's a big boost to the Apple Squares as well. So this episode, um, the RNGs take the wheels. Second wind tribe got a cold, hard 50 points even from their tribe. The avocado no toast tribe got 55 with Lucy taking home uh, just five since she was voted out. But the Adams Apple Squares tribe took home 90 points, mm. thanks in no small part to Adams Idol Find, Chris and Cece's correct votes. Uh, sorry, David and David. Cece's correct votes and Chris's naming of the episode. Really, all of the points landed in the Apple Squares camp tonight. They did. And so that takes our current total to third place with 115 points is Scott's RNGs take the wheel second wind tribe 
In second place, with 130 points, is the Avocado No Toast Tribe. And taking the lead with 160 points is Adam's Apple Squares. Um, Adam, also, your tribe is the only tribe left that is fully staffed with all six players remaining after Emily loses Lucy this episode. I imagine you got to be feeling pretty good about your tribe at this point. I feel I feel really good about this episode. I feel a little precarious about the future. Okay. Uh, Scott, you are in last place right now. Do you see a path forward with your tribe? Ooh, it's looking tough. (laughs) It's looking tough. (laughs) But I don't. I blame this is not indicative of my fantasy skills. This is all on the random number generator. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, and Emily, you, you gave up the lead this episode. Do you think that you can regain it though? You are now one tribe member down. Listen, (laughs) my track record tells me to be cautious. (laughs) So I am not commenting. (laughs) Uh, well, folks, we can now, since we are um, at the end of an even-numbered episode, uh, make some trades, if anyone's interested. We did start the season off with the first trade in Outwatch history, in which Chris was traded for Will. Um, and to this point, it looks like uh, Will is winning that trade. Will's netted 25 points to Chris's 20. It's true. So yeah. to this point, Emily got the bargain on that trade. She did get the bargain on that trade. Uh, is, are, is anyone interested in proposing another trade for this episode? No. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're getting more and more into it. And so like the odds of us trading away the winning player is higher. <laughs> True. Uh, Just checking in on the individual point tallies to this point as well. Uh, Adam Klein has the highest number of points now with 40 after um, really entirely due to his finding that hidden immunity idol. Yeah, if you subtract 15 points from him, he's at 25, which is pretty average. Yep. Yep. Uh, Michaela's in second place with 30. Yeah, because David found his idol before we started tracking points. So. And Jessica found that legacy advantage before then as well. Yeah. Which also would have been worth that same amount. Yeah. So don't worry, folks, more idols to be found this season. But Adam, Adam's our highest point scorer at the moment. Michaela's number two. Correct. Who's like, come about it, honestly. Yeah. (laughs) Did have a named episode in there to add her total. It's five points. That's a two. Yeah. <laughs> All I right. I don't think I could trade anybody just to like put a fine enough point on that. Do you, Emily, do you feel like there's anybody that you'd want to trade? No. Okay. No, thank you. Scott. <laughs> I mean, there's people I would probably let go of, but I don't know what I'm gonna get in return. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just write it out and see what happens. We'll yeah, write okay. it out. Trust in our Jesus. <laughs> That's how I play fantasy football, too. <laughs> yeah. Dance with who you brought. Yeah. It'd be great to have that waiver wire right now. <laughs> yeah. 
Too bad. All right. Next time on Outwatch, we will continue our dive into Survivor Millennials versus Gen X with episode five, in which the swap happens. This episode is titled Idle Search Party. Maybe we'll get, um, hopefully, somebody speeding through the jungle. Boom! Sonic the Hedgehog style. Just like Wu during that infamous idol hunt episode. Uh, If you are listening to this podcast, make sure that you subscribe to the feed so you don't miss our upcoming episodes. And we are proudly a member of the Megabed Media Podcast Network. Maybe you're watching this on YouTube. If so, you should subscribe to this YouTube channel. And if you're not on YouTube, check it out. Uh, It's Megabed Media, and you'll find these episodes as well as episodes from our other podcasts and some other special YouTube content. You can also, uh, in a link to the listener support page on the description to this episode, uh, you have the option of joining our listener support, which is a your chance to give monthly contributions to the production of Outwatch in our hashtag quest for ad-free CBS All Access. Um, if you support us financially, maybe we won't have to hear about Colaguard anymore. Um, I really need to know what the latest, uh, you know, colon screening or home use is. So, did you know that it uses a chemical <laughs> to detect the colon cancer? I love that. I love that it basically just says like, "Yo, you should go see a doctor, doc." <laughs> like, <laughs> you might have colon cancer. Go What's to the point of it? <laughs> I don't know how this product works. But um, based on what I've learned from these commercials, it seems like you shit in a box and ship it to a doctor somewhere and they tell you if you have cancer. Well, no, they tell you if you should go see a doctor in person. It's not even like it tells you anything useful. It's like, (laughs) hey, man, you should go see a doctor. (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of like this weird middleman. Like, hey. Stool collector. (laughs) Pay us some cash on your way to be treated for this indeed uh is there anything else i usually give here at the end oh you can uh also we you know last week we put out the question of if you'd like outwatch merch um with some of our famous quotes um and other fun stuff uh if you'd be interested in that send us an email at watchpodcast at gmail.com telling us what you'd like to see on future outlast merch outwatch merch And maybe we'll get that made. Until then, we will see you two weeks from now in our next episode. Goodbye.